Good morning, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I asked Julia what's on next. She said, it's you. Okay, so here we are. Uh, just, just always a privilege, pleasure to be able to share with all you awesome people. As Julia said, some like Ken we've been doing life with since 1969, and some will be the first time to meet tonight, today. So uh, there's a bit of a range of relationships to work with, but that's all right. Um, some of you will know exactly where I'm tracking and know my perverse sense of humor and be able to walk with it. Some will think, what on earth is he talking about? But that's okay too. So um, let's just have a, a real good time together. Um, first up, I, I like to thank you for working with us in the nations where we work. Uh, I, I need to clarify a little bit. We live in Japan, right? Um, we'll talk about other places but we live in Japan. That's our home. It's been our home more or less for over 30 years. We've lived in the neighborhood we're in now for uh, more than 30 years. It's, it's, it is uh, our home. And uh, we also uh, work a lot into Mozambique in Eastern Africa and uh, recently into a couple of other places. But So just, just so you're kind of tracking with us where we are. But I want to share a couple of stories with you today. The The title of that is The Fellowship of the Mat. I imagine, there, there it's up. Do I get a copy here? Do I get one here to look at? It really helps me if there's one up there, but um, can I? Can be done, can't it? Yes. Um, the Fellowship of the Mat. So what on earth that means, um, you, you'll find out as we go along. Um, we mentor a couple in Myanmar, and I want to just uh, paint a little picture around what they do. The young Japanese couple that have been there about three years, um, went with huge prayer backing from Japan. They learned the language, which m- there's no school for them to learn, so they had uh, a local person do some tuition with them, and then they just got out on the street and made friends and learned the language, and praying that God would lead them to uh, the right people group. They went with a passion to reach unreached people, people that had never had any access to the gospel. And God led them to a very small tribe, very small community, um, that was unknown, unknown to the Joshua Project, if that means any to, anything to you, unknown to any people that are tracking uh, unreached people groups. Um, and uh, only the people in the immediate area even knew that they existed. Completely different language from uh, Burmese and the other language groups around about them. And uh, they went in just uh, praying for open doors for the gospel, but working with the needs of the people. The, the people live on a bit of a hill, and uh, during the dry season, the water table is so low that for three months they have no water. They have to walk like an hour and a half each way uh, with, with buckets, with pails to get water. Um, they have a little uh, washing hole about 10 minutes away from the village, which is pretty much like an open sewer. And they go there every three or four days to have something in the nature of a wash. Um, so the need was water. So these guys got in there, they uh, helped them build a, a, a reservoir, a tank, like six meters deep by hand with shovels. And uh, the Japanese guy, his name is Komori-san, um, just stayed in the village those days for weeks just, just working with the guys, building the thing. Then, of course, cementing it and uh, just serving the people in that way. And then now they're helping them with things like um, grinding um, ginger so that they can sell the ginger and to tourists and in shops and sell it back into Japan and just help them in the areas where they're aware that they need help. Uh, at the same time, praying and sharing the love of Jesus. And one by one, through miracles, seeing God 
touch people's lives. And so these guys, these like mountain men that are with them in the picture, just uh, one by one coming to the Lord, opening their hearts. We were saying to them, what about their wives? Don't they have wives? Um, and they said, the wives are just so difficult to connect with. They're so dark. They, they're so like in a world of their own. We just don't know how to get in. It's not like he's gone by himself as a single guy. He's there with his wife, who's very relational with their kids. But there's just no way of connection with the wives. And so we began to pray. And they were praying that God would open the door to connect with the ladies. And then we were there just... Uh, uh, in March, we visited in March, visited la- before last month, month before last, and uh, just uh, we were tremendously impressed, particularly with this scene. We visited homes, had meals, um, connected with people, but here we're just sitting on the mat, that's where we're going, sitting on the mat with these ladies and just listening to them, uh, the Japanese guys, just asking them questions about how they met their husbands, um, and then shutting up to give them a chance to reply to that. And these ladies, like nobody listens to them. Nobody gives them the opportunity to, to talk about life stuff. One of them was just so embarrassed. She's never articulated anything like this about her husband or a relationship with her husband before, I guess. She just turned beetroot red just thinking about it and just giggled and giggled and giggled and couldn't even get any words out to answer. So imagine, uh, never mind. Um, but... um. It was they, the ladies were just radiant. They were just um, so chuffed to have people sit with them on the mat together, just drinking their tea, eating their melon seeds, and listening to them, just listening to the things about their lives. And these are women that uh, are kind of at the at the bottom of the rung as far as the village goes. And um, women, basically, there they they unless they get reincarnated as a man, they don't even start. And so uh, education is not available to them, and um, they're treated basically with disrespect everywhere they go. And so just to sit there, what are we giving them? We're giving them respect. We're listening to them. I mean, love is a very all-encompassing word, but just showing respect for these ladies. And as it had happened about a week before, um, we had, uh, Komori-san had been there. I mean, he's just great at this stuff. He and his wife, just uh, really caring for the people. And it, it's, um, that's the way we should do it, sure. But there's a Burmese missionary working with them from a different tribe, and he just can't do it. He honestly can't get down to the same level of the people. He's from a, a Christian tribe. He's from established churches. And he, all he knows how to do is preach. He, he cannot just sit down there with them, shut up, and relate to them eyeball to eyeball on, on, on the level. Um, and so it's a real grace. It's a grace. It's a work of the Spirit of God in their hearts. And that's what I really want us to be talking about, that the love of God would so fill our hearts and flow out from us to impact and tra- that love that transforms us, that we would be filled and channeling, just pouring out that love into other people's lives. So a few days before we got there, um, the Japanese guys had gone to pray with one of the ladies, number one in the next slide that's coming up, and uh, she had a son who had been injured, and they went to pray for him. And honestly, as far as I know, he hasn't yet been healed. He's got uh, serious damage to his leg. But just that they loved them enough to go and sit in their, in their hut and pray for this boy day after day was just hugely impacting for her. And she told her friend, her friend asked him, well, I've got a severe headache, pray for me. And uh, 
just pain all through the body. So they prayed for her. And this day when we were with them, she said, I'm totally healed. The headaches are gone. The pain in my body is gone. As well as that, I used to have these like demonic apparitions and dreams. They're gone. I am changed. I am happy for the first time. And I will never stop giving thanks to Jesus. Well, that's awesome. That's all. You can clap for that. Um, and they, they spent another uh, time with number three up there. And she talked about, like, I've got another person inside of me, and it's a bad one. You know, there's just two me's, and one of them is, is just something evil inside that I just... And she had serious mental issues. They prayed for her, and she is completely set free. Um, I mean, these are... <laughs> yes. And as, as the Japanese guy, these are like 30-second prayers. They're just... just I mean, they, you, you can't preach for and pray for an hour with them. You've just got to slip it in, but know the power of God is going to flow through because you've done the preparation beforehand. These guys have got thousands of believers in Japan praying for them, like 24-7. So the prayer is happening, but when they're on the ground there, just take their hand, just look into their eyes and say, God just loves you so much. Let him come and touch your life. Amen. On to the next thing. And he comes and touches them. And so these, these ladies are so happy. They're so radiant, and they have, in the week or two after that, opened their hearts to receive Jesus as the Lord of their lives and, and take their promise in John 1 verse 12 that if we receive Christ, we become the child, the son, the daughter of God. We don't have to be reincarnated as a man and then as something else. We can immediately come and become the child of God, and he will come and live in my heart. And it's just exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Um, transformed by that, that love that they've received from the Lord and are pouring out. In, in missions, we talk about people who have uh, the abstract thinkers, concrete thinkers, and mystical thinkers. And uh, abstract thinkers, and the next slide is people who have uh, loved the truth. They love ideas. They love to talk. It's a pretty Western construct, doesn't it? Um, my sons are like that. Maybe some of you would say that's, that's me. But m- many Western cultures, people that are highly educated, tend to be uh, drift that way. And then the concrete thinkers, they're interested in the, the story. So what does that mean for me? And uh, when we first went into jungle vi- villages in Malaysia, I was very conscious that the people we're sharing with in the meetings like this, going out on the, in the farm from Monday through to Saturday or looking after the kids, and uh, they had not been educated. So they didn't do stuff in their heads the message had to change the way they would do life in the farm. So while they're doing their their farming, how will walking with Jesus make a difference? It's got to impact them on that practical level. And then mystical thinkers. People from a Buddhist background, Hindu background, tend to be mystical thinkers. And uh, in Japan, people are not actually interested in truth. We tend to present the gospel as propositions of truth for spiritual laws, which are wonderful. I'm not... criticizing it. It's the truth. It's the truth. We need to know the truth. But it's not a point of access for people who are mystical thinkers. And, and, and so we pray that God would come in and reveal himself to them in his power and transform them by the power of his love. And, and for everybody, whether they're abstract, concrete, mystical or whatever, most of them are broken, they're empty, and they need the love of God. And, and where do we go to get that? We go to Jesus. He pours it into our hearts and gives us the capacity to go out and give it to others. Another story uh, is, a, is in the scripture. It's Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. That's the, the other mat that I want us to look at. This paralyzed man 
um, was probably a beggar. What else do you do when you're paralyzed in that sort of situation? Would one would expect a person like that to be pretty lonely. It's a, it's, a, it's a lonely life. It's not a life where you get a lot of opportunity to hang with people. But the amazing thing was that this guy had four friends, and, uh, and uh, they just somehow got involved in his life. And my, my question is, is, how do you make friends with a paralyzed man? How do you make friends with a paralyzed man? What do you do? What do you do? You get down there and play poker with him, mahjong. Um, what would you do? If there was someone in your circle or in your uh, life who is paralyzed, how would you become a friend to them? Because that is the question. There are paralyzed people in our lives. There are broken people around about us. And somehow we need to be able to sit with them. Um, If there are ladies, they don't need to do anything. They can just talk. Hey, we guys probably need something to do, you know, play poker or something. But somehow we need to create this fellowship of the mat. We need to create this relationship of trust, of genuine relationship, if we're going to share with them the love of God and take them to Jesus. My favorite photo of of 2017 is just coming up here. It's the one with uh, our friends Timmy and Sarah Holler, who are in Mozambique, working with our team in Mozambique. And uh, their little girl, uh, Gracie, is, is a pretty Girl likes frilly stuff, likes pink, likes parties, uh, likes all the stuff that you... Anyway, um, uh, I just got censored. I I can... My my wife has incredible power over me from the front row, you know. It's just... just, I I got it. And uh, yet there they are in Mozambique. She's sitting in the sand. She's just, just having an awesome time with the local kids, sitting in the sand, sitting on the mat, sitting in the dirt, relating to people as they are. Timmy's thing over there is soccer. He gets uh, the guys from all the different island communities, church communities together for soccer tournaments and uh, shares the gospel with them. Just just getting involved in fellowship of the mat, no fellowship of football, and uh, connecting with people like that and then bringing them to Christ. Uh, we have our daughter. Last time we were here, Emily and Nick with us, were with us. Now they're in... In, uh, oh, actually, I need to do a little um, little uh, detour here and just say thank you guys for really investing in the new training center that we have in Mozambique. At last, it's up. That's what it looked just a wee bit different from the artist's impression before we did it. But still, it's close. And uh, the, the kids come in. They play on the swings and slides and then track on into an awesome meeting um, where thousands of people can come together and worship Jesus. And then out of there going out, we do training, all kinds of things that that center has become such a hub for a lot of ministry. And you were a part of that. You invested in that. Um, done under budget. Done under budget. Like about $100 under budget. But um, that's all right. That's all right. Anyway, that was just a detour. But um, on to Ethiopia. Emily and Nick, Fellowship of Macchiati. Macchiato. Macchiato is the way you do life over there. I mean, they, that's not macchiato there, but the next slide that comes up is their macchiato, where they, they, there are coffee ladies all over the place, and people just come and hang, and uh, they make it from the, start with the green beans and roast the beans and grind them, and it takes, you know, 10 minutes before you get your coffee, but it's fresh, and uh, people come and just sit. Some people are wanting to go to Ethiopia already, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, if you want to go somewhere, definitely better than Mozambique. Um, but uh, they just sit around there and just talk, just talk, talk, talk. Some people that don't seem to have a, a lot of work to do just spend half the day just round one uh, 
coffee table and uh, interacting. It's just a great way of building relationships, getting into the dirt, sitting on the mat, making relationships with people. And uh, this is not just in Myanmar or Ethiopia or Mozambique, but this is something for every one of us, that we would build genuine, caring relationships. We had a guy come to us from New Zealand, visit us in Japan, and he, he was talking about how he cannot evangelize in his job because he's working at a semi-government corporation. And I thought, what is, what is that about? What has that got to do with it? And another guy that's new to us in our church is a businessman said, I can't evangelize in my business because it's a, you know, it's a big corporation. Thought, What's that got to do with it? Is evangelism just hitting people with the gospel, pulling out a tract on the way to the, the lunch and saying, excuse me, you need to know Jesus? Is that, if that's evangelism, yeah. But evangelism is the fellowship of the mat. It's building relationships, caring, genuine relationships for the long term. And in that context, we have opportunities to share with people. They know us. They trust us. They, 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 they begin to share their hearts. And a guy that I was talking with just a little while ago was talking about his fellowship of the fishermen. And fishermen aren't known for talking much. They just go out. This is a pretty individual sport, really. But one old crusty guy... Um, bit of a hobo, not one that would have been uh, having a lot of church influence in his life. Just while he was talking with him, he said, uh, after many, many, many days and weeks and hours of fishing together, he said, um, you know, my daughter, she's pregnant, but uh, she's got a major cancer that's going to take the baby. And uh, he said, my friend said to him, it doesn't need to happen like that. Let me pray for you. And he just prayed, just took his hand and prayed for him there while they're fishing that God would come and do a miracle and he would become a grandfather. And then change the subject, move on, because the guy doesn't want too much of that. And then a few months later, the guy is saying, talking about his grandchild. He said, yeah, didn't we pray? Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? I mean, he's not falling down on his knees to repent and come to Jesus yet, but it's the fellowship of the man. It's getting in people's lives. And in that context, we can get away with it. I mean, sometimes we feel and hit the next slide that, am I ashamed of the gospel? Is there something wrong with me that I don't talk to people about Jesus all the time? I have friends that can do that. They're, they're gifted in doing that. I find it difficult. There's something which I think is, is not an altogether bad thing that makes me realize it may not be illegal like in terms of getting arrested and put in prison. But socially, it's illegal. Socially, it's a no-no to just be hitting all your colleagues with the gospel and hitting, you go to a family reunion and you sit down by people and stuff. They won't invite you next time. It's true. And, and if the people in my apartment block, every time I'm in the elevator with them, I think, hey, I've got uh, time. They can't get away. I'm going to just share the gospel with them. They'll use a different elevator. They'll use the staircase. It's true. It's true. They'll shut me out totally. And there are one or two people that do that. They, they kind of know what we're about and they don't even come close. But, that, but when we build that fellowship on the mat, we go beyond that. And at some point, maybe they've had a drink. They say, I'm really worried about my son. He stopped going to school. And you say, well, I'm just going to be praying for you about that. You know, we'd love to grab their hand and pray, but we think, no, that, that, will, that will finish it for them. We'll just, just go a little bit more carefully. It's not about you. It's about your paralyzed friend. It's not about you doing your thing, being an evangelist. It's about your paralyzed friend. Do you really care enough 
to build that relationship where you can begin to bring them to Jesus. Because once we've done that and we're beginning to share together, we can say, can I take you to Jesus? And the guy says, hey, I've got nothing to lose. So they put him on, their, on, their, on, the, on his mat. They take him. They push through some, some, some issues and get up on the roof. And they're making a way to let that guy down into the presence of Jesus. Because he is the gospel. Eh? Jesus is the gospel. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Just meeting with Jesus is the point of transformation. It's not necessarily a clear exposition of what we would say the gospel is, but just meeting with Jesus. In John 4, he's talking to that Samaritan woman, and at the end of the conversation, she says, who is he? He says, I am he. John chapter 9, the guy that he put mud in his eyes and sent him to wash, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Eventually, the guy finds Jesus, or Jesus finds him, and he says, who is he? He says, you are talking to him. He gets on his knees and he worships. His sins are forgiven. He is transformed because he met with Jesus. We want to take people not to a doctrine, but we want to take them to Jesus. Not to a church, not to a meeting, but take them to Jesus. Because for the concrete person, he is the story. He is the story. For the person who is abstract, he is the truth. But for the mystical person, he is the power that begins to transform their lives. And we want them to meet him and be transformed by his power and then begin to track on to the truth not enough just to stop with the power because you can get power and mystical experience from all kinds of untruth but through that begin to bring them back into the truth because he is the one that will transform their lives and as they let their friend down in front of Jesus what does he say rise up and be healed he doesn't he doesn't because he knows the greatest need in that guy's life is actually not healing You know, he can be lame and still have a relationship with God, an eternal relationship with God. But unless his sins are forgiven, unless his heart issues are dealt with, then his life is is, there is no hope. And so Jesus just goes straight into that. And the guy hasn't even confessed his sins yet. He he may be not terribly aware of his sinfulness yet, but there's something that Jesus sees in his heart and his friend's heart. And because of their faith, he says, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. He speaks healing and transformation into the deepest area of his soul. He can do that because of the cross. We sang some just awesome declarations about the cross. And this is the cross. You know, there are people, I've heard people in the city saying that everything before the cross is kind of not particularly important. But there's nothing before the cross. There's nothing before the cross. Everything is in the shadow of the cross. Everything is in the shadow of the cross. The before, the after, everything is in the cross. The Old Testament believers How did they come to faith? Through the cross, because Jesus dealt with their sin. They hadn't seen it yet, but that faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus is the way of before that day and after that day, it's all in the cross, the shadow of the cross. And out of that, Jesus can say, your sins are forgiven because I'm going to deal with them, brother. I'm going to deal with them. You won't understand it yet, but I'm going to deal with those sins. And he ministers that forgiveness and that healing and transformation, unconditional love for this guy. Imagine how he's feeling. Hey, just just think into that. This guy who's had pretty much no friends, done life on a mat, on a stinky, smelly, dirty mat, not clean one, and his friends take him in. Embarrassing. You know, he can't get in the door, and his friends are lugging him up on the roof and ripping a hole in the roof. Embarrassing. You know, the, the, the possibility of rejection is huge, right? And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. Wow, transformation of his life. And then, then he goes on and he deals with the real need of his, 
life that he's aware of. And he says to him, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And with our friends, you know, it, sometimes it's the get up and walk first and the your sins are forgiven comes later. Sometimes, you can't work him out. In some miracles, he just goes for the healing and they walk away. You walk away. You never hear of them again. And he, he's okay with that. And sometimes... It's just, just that transformation that we all want for our lives. So the gospel is not just a, a nice story. It's the truth. It's the truth, but it is also the power that transforms, that changes, that heals. And, and uh, as, we, as we come to our friends and we, God stirs our hearts for our friends, we're saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, not because it's the truth and it's a good story, but, but it is the power of God. It's the power of God that transforms people's lives and I've shared some things about that but like in Mozambique Timmy and his guys just out in the village just a couple of weeks ago and they found a lady in a house who was hemorrhaging she'd had to give up her job and she'd just come home just lying on the on the mat in her house on a, on a stinky hut and uh, where do you go from there there's there's no medicine that can help with a situation like that and they prayed for her the next day that she came running out of the hut totally healed and embracing them Unfortunately, that means she had to go back to work, so she's left the village and gone to another town. But her friend heard about this and came and asked for prayer. And as they prayed for her, demons were cast out of her. Her life was transformed. And other people began coming. And today, right now, not now because they're about 10 hours different, they're having the first church meeting in that house and that community there because the gospel is... Yeah, clap. Why not clap? Yeah. But this is, this is going in there, getting down on the mat in the dirt with that woman who's bleeding and simply proclaiming healing to her. Awesome stuff. In Japan, um, our meetings are overflowing at the moment. I mean, it's just we have a very small space. But people are coming and because they are being impacted by the Holy Spirit. Their lives are being turned around. And uh, one thing, if you ever think of us and pray for us, pray for space. We need a new place real quick. Can you... Move on to the next slide. And uh, one of the things we have is fellowship of eating. Hey, isn't eating good? Anybody here like eating? And with lonely guys, guys that otherwise eat by themselves night after night after night, just gathering them together to begin to eat together and share the love of God with them. We have the fellowship of the worried mothers. Mothers in Japan do a lot of worrying. They're just so over the top with their kids. But... um, one of these ladies who walks with Jesus had a, f- a friend, I mean an acquaintance, a mother of one of her kids' friends, and there was some conflict, as there often is. And uh, she went to this other lady and apologized for the behavior of her son. And the other lady said, why would you apologize to me? I would never apologize to anyone for the behavior of my son. And in this situation, your kid hasn't done anything wrong. It's my Mine, that's at, at fault. And uh, where are you coming from? What's this all about? And so she began to share with her. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And she ended up opening her heart and coming and giving her life to Christ. Totally transformed. Not just in an instant. There's been ongoing prayer and ministry to her. But she is a changed woman. Her husband said to her a little while ago, In our 18 years of marriage, I have never once sensed that you loved me. But now I'm beginning to believe that you do. That you have become what all these years I have dreamed that you would be as a wife and have not been. And now I see that change in your life. Now he's as open as a, as a rock spiritually. But, um, but 
that stuff is, it, it, she's going to get there. She's praying, we're praying, and, uh, and their kids are being transformed by the power of God working through loving people that have got on the mat with them and are sharing with them. And this is the last thing that I want us to just focus in on is this fellowship of the mat. The word is carefully chosen. We could have said friendship of the mat, but this word fellowship brings us into koinonia. It's a spiritual dynamic because Jesus is in there with us. You know, those guys, four with their friend, five of them coming to Jesus, it's not like that for us because Jesus is within us. And so that, that community of the, of the macchiato, that community of the worried mums, whatever it is, Jesus is right there in it because he lives within us. Christ is in us. The power of God is in us. He is working through us. And, and uh, we, we, we cannot do it without him. We know that we can receive his power. The l- power of God, the love of God is poured into us by the Holy Spirit. Without that, we, we're going to dry up real fast, aren't we? We're going to give up. You know, I've had people that I've tracked with for years and years and years. And the fellowship of the mat just goes on and on and on. And then it dies. And you think, what was all that about? You know, a guy I had breakfast with every Saturday for 12 years and thought, wow, he's going to come to faith. He never did. We'd do Bible study together at some phases of that. And then at the end of it, we went to Mozambique. We came back. We never picked it up. It was like, like it was done. Was that wasted? What do you reckon? Not at all. I, I shared with him one scripture I shared with him again and again was, you can gain the whole world, but if you lose your eternal soul, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You've lost everything. And I shared it enough that I know it's in there. And he will, at some stage, breathe his last. And as he breathes it, he'll remember that verse that Graham shared with him. And he'll say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'll never know, but he'll put his trust in Christ. And, and none, of that is, none of that is wasted. But just to keep doing it for 12 years, or some of you have been doing it in your family for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, really given up at times. But the power of the Spirit comes to enable you to get up again and go again and visit again and do that coffee again and clean the house for them again and listen to their stories. Hey, listening, listening, listening. You know, the gospel is not spread by preaching. It's spread by listening. Just write that down. That's very profound. That's very deep. The gospel is not, I just made it up. The gospel is not spread by preaching. It's spread by listening. And I, some of our, some of our brothers and sisters, they talk too much. You know, on the mat, just make sure you're listening and giving people the respect and the honor that you want to hear what they're saying. Hallelujah. And that the power to shut up is something that we all need to receive. But we pursue that power with all our hearts, that God would come by His Holy Spirit and fill us and fill us and fill us again. As we finish tonight, today, this morning, I want us just to take a little space. Is that right? I'm sure it is. Where we say, Lord, I, I, I get it. I know where you're tracking. I, I get the vision. But hey, I need your power. I need the, the Holy Spirit to be pouring love into my heart. The situation I'm facing, my paralyzed person is quite unlovable. My paralyzed person, I've been working on it for ages, and honestly, I've, I've, I've just about given up. Or, or I, I just, I've got enough in my life. I've got so much going on in my life. I don't have much spare energy, so I really need a miracle to be able to even see anybody else around about me. Come and do a miracle in my life. So just as we take a few minutes, this is not a a few minute zap, it's a constant thing that we do. As we come, we're receiving his love to go out and pour the love of God and the power of the gospel into people's lives to see them meet with him. Is that all right? Can we do that?
I'm sure we can. Let's just stand and just begin to talk to him while we're waiting for the worship team to um, help us. Lord, just we, we come to you, Lord Jesus. Just lift your heart to him. Just maybe put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, just, just fill me afresh, Lord. I, I need your power. I need the power of your love. Lord, I, I need to just stand and say the gospel is powerful. It's not just a nice truth. It's powerful to change. It's changed me and it can change my friend. That, that friend that's paralyzed, that friend that's on the mat, that friend that's got really nobody that cares for them. I want to just be there to care and to listen. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.